Welcome to Discover Indie Film. I'm Jeff Howard, and hey, I'm very happy. On Zoom in front of me, I've got Matt Catanzano. Hey, Matt. Hey, thank you so much for having me. It is a pleasure to have you. This is this is one of those, I always say it's a little extra fun for me when someone is uh, in one of the festivals. You, you and your film Spirits were at Film Invasion Los Angeles in June of this year, June 2023. Yeah. And you're already on the podcast. Sometimes people wait like a year, you know, and they have to wrap up all their stuff. No, I got that. I got that invite and signed up. Get me on the calendar. You did. You signed up right away. And then I think I asked you to reschedule the first time. I forget what it was. And then you needed to reschedule the second time. Otherwise, we would have gotten this done a while ago. I know. Yeah, it would have been too soon. This is actually the right. Just enough time has gone by. Now we can really now we can really get into it. Perfect. And you know what? I'm just going to do a slight personal reveal and share. Matt doesn't know this. Today is my 55th birthday. We are recording on my birthday. Happy birthday. How Thank dare you. you? This is a birthday podcast. Who why, knew? Would you, why would you schedule? Honestly, I didn't think to block out my birthday on that calendar oh. link thing. So when you schedule on my birthday, I'm like, ah, fuck it. This is, uh, by the way, we are allowed to curse. I said, fuck okay. it. Yeah. I'll talk to Matt on my birthday. And then, you know. This guy's. This guy hurt his back. It's his birthday. He's still. I mean, I've got nothing but complaints from him so far for this thing. This is, we haven't even started. It's true. I, I. I might as well. I might as well move to Florida and go to retirement community <laughs> and go. You want me to talk about your film? My back. My. My back. Well, I, I. I appreciate you spending the, the morning of your birthday with me. Hey, I. Uh, I appreciate. I. This podcast is fun, so why not do something fun on my birthday? Yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. We'll see. We'll and with that said, so I mentioned you and the film Spirits. Yes. Is there somewhere where people can check it out yet, or you haven't you haven't thrown it online or anything? Um, I haven't thrown it online to the public yet, but you can message me if you want to watch it. I'll just send it to you. Just, people I'll, can message you, and and eventually it could. You know, it's it's definitely a teaser. We discussed that at the yeah. film festival, but all right, so. So people, we want to, you know, the funny thing is we don't have to worry about spoilers, right? No, I don't think so. No, because it's a teaser. It's a teaser. It's a little proof of concept. A little proof of concept, you guys. And I swear to God, if someone can't figure out that it's a fun horror concept uh, by the poster, then they're just too clueless to be your fan anyway, right? Yeah. There's a couple, like, there's the poster exists. There's a little title card at the very top. It has a, a joke in it, so it's like there's a couple little things that I do where even in like live screenings I can go like either everybody's on board or they're not, and I know in the first couple seconds. Which, which, uh, well, first of all, we'll we'll dive into your past before we discuss it more. But yeah, it's always funny to me because after watching your film, I really focused on the horror aspects, admittedly, because mm-hmm. um, I think that kind of takes over while you're watching. And then we talked at the the mixer, and you mentioned comedy. And then when I watch it again, like at the theater, I'm like, it's true. It's it's almost fifty percent fun. Like you know, like like the comedy horror balance. There's way more comedy than I remembered because I think our memories like sort of like downplay yeah. the the earlier jokes and get into the, the that scarier second act or whatever. But you're doing the correct thing because the entire uh, reason for me making this thing was that my background is comedy, but I love horror and I write like when I write features and stuff, I always write horror and people are like they can't quite connect the two because like what I do 
all day every day is comedy and then when i when i submit a script they're like this is terrifying what are you and i was like i'm gonna make a short that is not funny that's just scary and then as i worked on it i kept adding little <laughs> stupid things to it and eventually i sent it i sent an early cut to a friend that i was like what do you think and he was like this is great this is the exact opposite of what you said you were going to do <laughs> this has a bunch of bits in it and i was like ah yes 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 so uh the idea that you were able to um mostly see the horror first actually does my does my heart good because that was the intention and it absolutely does take over for sure and and I'll add, I probably 99% sure I probably said this at your Q&A at the theater, but I think comedy and horror are the perfect marriage. I oh, think yeah. they're both uh, fear and laughter are two, the two best involuntary emotional responses from an audience. Yeah. So honestly, a horror film with no comedy is almost like a failure. I mean, I, yeah. even I even the greats that we think of as like terrifying, right? Like The Exorcist, like people are passing out. There are funny moments in that movie, believe it or not. I just watched it, you know, a couple of years ago when our teenager got super into horror and I was like, well, you're seeing enough demonic possession movies. Let's go back and watch the very first one. But anyway, okay. too much preamble, okay. not enough Matt. Okay. So I'm going to shut my pie hole for a bit. Okay. We'll get back to you, spirits. Yeah. Well, no, let's go back to you. Let's just jump jump into you. I know you're a, a performer, a writer, a director. This one you produced. You gave yourself a cameo, though you chose not to be one of the leads, which also shows, uh, I think, a healthy lack of ego. Because you can imagine as a festival programmer who sees like 14, 1500 indie films a year that are submitted. I don't finish them all, but I start them all. Yeah, sure. Uh, I see a lot of stuff where it's like, uh, you know, a a first name, last name film by a first name, direct, written and directed by first name, last name, produced by first, last name from first name, that la, first name, last name productions. And I'm like, well, this person had an agenda, which was me, me, me. So, yeah, you know. there's actually I know that there is a there's like a bell curve of how many times you can put your name in the credits where it goes from like really impressive that you did so much to like, I don't care for what you're up to <laughs> because yeah, right you you either and and you either say you know what i'm just gonna say writer and director and use a pseudonym for my cameo and keep yeah. everything and not and then some people go for it and they're like i also did catering i also did this i also yeah. did that i did you know they'll give themselves production design because they use their own apartment yeah well there's stuff missing in the credit like people are like where'd that costume come from and i'm like listen i did that I found it. I put it together. But you know what you don't need to know? That I did that. Because we, at that point, you, we are... You are not looking to be hired as a costume designer for other <laughs> I am films. Not, I'm not. This is this is because of not having any money, not because of any skill in any of those things. So I think that's where you go like, well, if that's the reason, then maybe we keep that one to ourselves. Perfect. All right. So tell me yeah. about your creative journey. How old were you when you got the bug to either create, write, perform when when did it hit you um this is a i don't know if it's cliche or not but i i've always wanted to you know as far back as i can remember i've always wanted to be an actor uh and a performer um i did like little baby modeling when i was when i was a child you know through like so in other words you had parents yeah or at least yeah. one parent who was like this kid's a little too fucking cute. Let's let's make a dime off of him. Yeah, yeah. Let's like make sure he's in like a you know a Marshall's print ad as a as a baby before he can um, 
say yes or no, you know, and I, I did that stuff and, you know, it, it was in acting classes as like a toddler. Um, so, but you, you took know, to it, you liked it. Yeah. I loved it. Um, there was a, there was only one span of time where I think like in the early teens, you know, where I was like, wait a second, I don't want to do this. I'm, I like sports. I'm into soccer. And I was never into any sports nor good at any sports. I didn't enjoy them. But like, I, I attempted like in the awkward ages of like, you know, 13 to 15 to be like, no, no, no. I play sports with friends and, um, it didn't, didn't take, didn't work. But, uh, went, went back to drama club. Yeah. I was like, Oh, please put me, what's the next play? Let me, I'm back. Please everybody. I'm back. Um, so yeah, so that was, uh, and I was always like a goofball. I was always, I always needed a certain level of attention. That's probably unhealthy, but I was always, you know, even at like family parties, I would like get the camera and like record stuff, but like ask people to do bits, you know, and like be like, no, wait a second. Can you come back in with the cake, but like do whatever. And they'd be like, why is this child holding a camera and asking me to turn this, which should be a real sincere moment into something fake. And I was like, no, 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 trust me. It'll, it'll be better when you do it this way. Um, I mean, that is so revealing because besides the desire to perform already as a kid, you weren't thinking I'll direct them. You just knew there was a way you wanted it. That's called directing, right? Is you knew, you knew how you wanted things to turn out and you were taking whomever was in front of your camera and directing them. Yeah, I did weird. It was like, I mean, now looking back, it's so cute. But I think at the time they were like, what's going on? Because I, I took like the security, you know, like the Brinks security, like the signs you put in front of your home. I like took those from a neighbor's house, but so that I could do a parody commercial where like somebody was trying to break into my house, but I kept pointing to the sign and that like discouraged them from coming. But like, they were like the, the cam, the family camcorder that was just for family parties I was using to do stuff like that. Like, what is this footage? And why is your cousin outside holding a sickle? I was like, oh, he's, he's, he's supposed to look like he's breaking in. But then I point to the sign. Like, where'd you get that? Did you take the sign from the neighbors? <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> um, I might have. Yes. Yes, I did. But it's so funny it that your parents noticed your, your acquisition of illegal props. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They were like, this kid's working without a budget right away. It's not, not bad. But um, I always used to joke, like, my, I have a, I, I'm the oldest of five. So there's, there's a bunch of us. And like my next younger brother was always kind of like into, you know, at one point I remember he wanted to like be in the FBI. Like that's like, he always like wanted like some kind of dangerous, cool job. And, um, I remember very early on having the thought that like, I didn't want to be in the FBI or do a dangerous job, but I did want to be Mulder. Like I wanted to be Fox Mulder in a show. Like I wanted to play, I wanted to do that, but not for real. (laughs) And that was like, I can like, I can't remember the age, but I like remember that feeling of like the realization of like, yeah, me too. I want to wear a suit and investigate stuff, but on television. And I would like it to involve aliens and monsters, if at all possible. Wonderful. Because yeah, when I'm fully aware that, especially if you go back and watch, you know, it's so easy to think of X-Files as a show about aliens and stuff. Most of the first couple seasons were just horror films being remade. Yeah, horror films being made, and just a lot of like, it's so funny. I, I rewatch the X Files on a regular basis, so this is this is too much information about me. But uh, one of my favorite things to watch that show in order because you really see their journey. But also the first season and second season, so much of it is the government being like, "Mulder, you can't. Why did you charge the government for a rental car in Missouri 
to go look for a swamp monster. <laughs> you know, like it's they're almost they're almost more concerned with like the allocation of funds that he's always like up to. They're like, listen, man, you're a good profile, you know, you're good at your job, but like, please stop charging us for meals and per diem if you're gonna just go off and see if the Mothman is real. Um there there were a lot of there were a lot of aspects to the show. I remember when it came out, you know, as a uh as a card-carrying nerd like people started you know started hearing about it. and of course this was like maybe we had vhs right when it first came out and i remember the first episode i watched was a a carbon copy remake of the thing they yeah. had that episode that oh, was yeah. season one ice <laughs> yeah it was ice. like i'm like this is john carpenter's the thing but there, but but there was nothing like that on tv anyway so like yeah I was glad someone was ripping off John Carpenter. But yeah, like you said, they learned how to be TV writers. You know, they were like a bunch of surfers, I think. What's his name? The creator <laughs> grabbed all his surf buddies and gave them jobs. But hey, yeah. long, very long story short, that's how Vince Gilligan got his feet wet as a writer. And then we end up with Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul. So like the X-Files is, 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 will always be near and dear to me. He did a Brian Cranston episode. It's one of the best episodes. Um, but yeah, so like early on, I the the two actors that I adored were I wanted to be Fox Mulder from the X Files, and I wanted to be Brian Hackett from Wings. So those are the two. Those are can you imagine? Those are the like those are my influences. Uh, like oh man, those are those. That's oh, the two. That's the peak of the Brian mountain. Brian Hackett right was the funny brother, right? Yeah, that was Stephen Weber. Steve Weber, yeah, not Tim Daly, who I, I would have honestly I would have wanted to be both. I, I loved Wings. Wings Man, was Tim, Tim Daly went on to be the the voice of Batman. Uh, Tim Daly had he was in Storm of the Century and he's great in that. Tim Daly has a great career too. Um, but at the time I was like, I want to be the funny one. I want to like I want to Well, come and in. Weber was so good. That was a great show. It's funny. That show doesn't uh, get the props that the other Thursday night I know it always got. <laughs> whenever I bring up Wings, people are like how old are you and what are you talking about? But I'm like, I swear to God, like if, most of it was writers from Cheers and they did a great, I'm also from Massachusetts. Although I will say that like the one thing Wings doesn't do correctly is like, there's nothing about it that is Massachusetts. Like there's nothing about it that actually feels <laughs> Nantuckety or like it's, it's from that. Every once in a while they'll have like a very LA dude, like supposed to be like a local who'll be like, welcome to the video store, man. And like, so that's not, that's you, you are doing local casting in LA and that's certainly not anybody where I'm. It from. was definitely in the days before they would have even bothered to make one trip to Nantucket and see what it was like. For sure. Yeah, for sure. That's true. But yeah, you went, wait, you couldn't have been watching that first run, right? You were, was that like reruns you were catching? My parents watched it, and so when I was like, when I was little, yeah, I like I would I would watch like later seasons, and then like kind of go back because it, it was one of those shows that just played at like seven p.m. forever. I think. Yeah, yeah, perfect, excellent. Yeah. Well, so you were drawn to uh, you were drawn to that, and yeah. a little bit of the horror was in X Files. But was there a point where, as a kid, so you're 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 already being creative, you're already using a camera, you're already performing uh, in plays and stuff at school. Is there a point where you like lock into horror films? Yeah, I think so. I think like pretty early on, I was a, a little movie nerd. So I would try to see everything, anything that I wasn't allowed to see. I was like very uh, East Coast uh, 90s parent rules, which were like all the violence in the world, but no nudity. <laughs> you know, like that was like my, it's like any Jean Claude Van Damme movie was fine. <laughs> You know, but like um, anything with sex and nudity. And you're uh, in Massachusetts. I, and I'm, am I assuming Catholic family? 
Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 So yeah, very, very right. Uh, sex is nasty, but yeah, yeah, people get killed all the time. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. So it, it was weird. Like, like Friday the Thirteenth was always like sort of off limits because that had too much. <laughs> you know, like you'd have to watch that on TV. But there were other stuff. Like the thing was totally fine because yeah, the it's thing, okay. people. Yeah, violence is okay as long as they're they're not. You don't see some boobs before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. God forbid you see some boobs. So um, we got to that. That will police. You know, you can't see the very beginning of Halloween, but you can see the rest of Halloween pretty much. It's a very strange. Um, but uh, because I was a little movie nerd and I like to watch everything, uh, not being able to see certain horror movies, that became like then the goal is like when I had like a list of movies that I wanted to see and I would like ask, like, can I see this yet? You know, like on this birthday, it would be like, I'm now blank. Can I see whatever? It's like, when do I get to see Terminator 1? Why did I get to see Terminator 2 first? <laughs> you know, but like I'd go to the video store. Oh, that was because like, of Arnold's nude appearance? No, it was because the first one is way more of a horror movie um, and has like a sex scene. <laughs> that's true. That's true. That's right. Whereas T- the second T2 one was pure like, action. Yeah. yeah, it was like almost pure action. Um it's I, again the system's flawed, but um, the I would like I would have a little like notebook of like all right these are the you know I'm dying to see Alien. When do I get to see Alien? Um, well, and, and as a horror, new parent, I guess are you already planning like okay these are the birthdays I'm showing these films to my kid? Oh yeah, we're we're gonna go through. You got a schedule ready? Yeah, because gateway horror is my favorite type of horror, and we can get into that later. But like I I love like a like a great strong probably shouldn't be pg but is pg horror movie i like that's that's my jam so i'm all over that um the monster squad was very formidable for me like as a young boy i was like oh my god these are all the things i want and and it's kids so i can relate like we're we're off to the races um but and and it sounds like you're also like a good kid because you were wait you were asking permission and waiting for certain birthdays instead of like yeah yeah instead of like rushing out to blockbuster and grabbing a dvd and then going over to the friend's house whose parents don't come home till six and yeah i definitely did that too oh that was my watch making noise but yeah wonderful I was a little bit like, I was a little like Eddie Haskell-ish, you know, like I was like, well, when can I see this now? And then I would go to my friend's house and be like, listen, man, I know you don't care about movies, but I need you to get your mom to rent this because I need to see it. Um, and I don't know why I can't. And I have to find out. Um, and then in high school and in college, I worked at a video store. And uh, this is a, a, a thing that I think happens to a lot of people because I, I remember other employees at the video store also felt the same way. Like part of getting into horror and cult and like a lot of these more extreme uh, subgenres was that if you watch everything, it starts to become this weird little drug to try to see stuff that you haven't seen before. So like I had a great this manager, John, who was like incredible, amazing movie taste. But I would often be like, you know, like, John, what do you what do you got? And he'd be like, hand me, a, you know not even something from the store, something from his head. He's like, this is my VHS of rolling thunder. You're going to like this, like take it home, you know, like watch this, you know, like I remember, uh, I discovered dog soldiers, Neil Marshall's dog soldiers. And I was like, it blew my mind. I like loved it. And I like gave it to him and he was like, this is incredible. And we, you know, we, we had it up at this, you know, front counter to give to him customers that we really liked. But, uh, you start to, uh, search out for like, not only do I really like horror, but now I'm looking for like what I haven't seen in horror. And like, you start to do that more and more. And, um, I just got more and more into it and it became more and more of the the genre I like to focus on. 
Right. So, and as far as performance and shooting stuff, it was just whatever you could, right. It was whatever the school was doing and stuff. And it was the yeah, whole was, time. Are you playing with that video camera or do your, does your video camera fun start leaning towards horror as you're discovering the genre? Yeah. It, it starts to lean towards it. I mean, in high school and stuff, I'm doing plays and musicals. And so like, I'm mostly focused on doing that stuff. Like camera stuff really kind of, um, went away for a little bit. Um, but I went to college and when I went to college, I went to a business school that was part of like, you know, I'll go to business school. And so my dad doesn't lose his mind and I'll get like a degree in something that like, you know, just in case, you know, um, but it was a small business school in Massachusetts. And, um, I got there at the same time as this wonderful teacher who had come from like a film school. And so between the two of us, we really started to build like a film program. So I started the first film festival at this, the college that I went to. Uh, they created an editing lab uh, that still has like my picture up in it to this day. Like, uh, so a lot of the early uh, filmmaking stuff that the school did, um, I was there and a part of. I was the first business student to be sent to the Cannes Film Festival as part of the American Pavilion. But I got my college to pay for it. And it was like a big deal because they hadn't gone to a business school. But my this, this teacher had a connection. And so she was able to get me an interview. And they were like, you're a business school. We don't normally do this. And I was like, no, I'm a business school so that I can have a degree in marketing, but like I'm here doing film. Like I'm here to film stuff. I'm making shorts when I'm not in my classes. I'm in plays in our very small theater. Like this is, this is how small the theater department and stuff was. I was Gene Lockwood in singing in the rain. I was Gene Kelly in singing in the rain. Um, and I can barely sing or dance, but I was the lead (laughs) at singing in the rain in my college. That's like, that's not, Catanzano, you did a great job. That's like, I think we needed more people. Like I, <laughs> anywhere else that wouldn't have happened, but big fish in a small pond. That's pretty cool. Uh, I so refuse I, to go along with your humility there, though, because first of all, the can thing and, and, and pursuing the business degree while still being completely connected to, to your creative side, this is all really hard shit to do. Like, like, like it might've, you know, you might've just been playing it out the way you did naturally, but I guarantee there were other people in that business program who had had creative ambitions, like when they were younger, maybe even the year before in high school. And they're like, I'm dropping everything and I'm going to focus. Like, you know what I mean? Like I, I, I see your balance and I know maybe I might see myself as a jack of all trades and I know how fucking difficult it is to stay balanced in life and, and keep your eyes on more than one prize. And it's really hard. Thank you. It was, it was weird. It's like, you know, you're so young when you make those, especially like college decisions. But I like was, I remember having a conversation with my parents, like I'll get a degree in marketing, but just be aware that the point of me doing that is so that I can market myself and the things that I make. (laughs) And like, they're like, fine. Just as long as like when you graduate, you can get a job if you need to for a little bit or do whatever. And I was like, yeah, that is, that Actually, that's fit. a pretty nice angle for parents because uh, they can go, look, you know, he, he could try for a couple years after school, but then he could get a job at Procter and Gamble and and, and sure. be good. Yeah, I mean, I to this day they're like, <laughs> there's certainly a part of them that's like, you still thinking about advertising because you're very creative and good. So you you know like if you know how are things because advertising still exists, and I'm like, hey, it's a little late. <laughs> Hey, look, I turned 55 today and my mom still says things like, are you, is the film festival thing all right? Yeah, all right, yeah. I'm like, well, you know, 
I just joke with her. I'm like, I'm married well, so I can do what I want. <laughs> yeah, see, I love, see, my family, it's, it's like, so I still go back and uh, Boston's a very funny place to be from because it's, it's filled with people uh, that are just like, well, have you, have you called Matt Damon? You got to call Matt Damon. You know, yeah, he probably want to meet you. I'd actually call Ben Affleck first. Do you have his email? You should email Ben Affleck. Like I, I haven't. Uh, there's like my aunt would always ask, like, "Have you, <laughs> have you emailed Lauren Michaels?" And I'd be like, "Emailed Lauren Michaels? No, like, <laughs> no, Deb, I haven't." Um, but you'd be so good on SNL. Why don't you just let him know? Yeah, but I'd be like, "Why do you know his name?" And also, now that I think about it, maybe she like knew him personally, and I should have just like really followed up. I should have asked more questions instead of just dismissing it because maybe she had the email. All I mean, along. at least the other guys have Boston roots. Lauren Michaels is a is a Canuck. I know. Well, New York, though, most famously. I guess, yeah, close to. But um, I have a good friend from uh, Boston who who refers to himself as a mass hole. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's that's certainly a thing. There's a lot of t-shirts. He's, he's actually that. nice, though. Yeah, I think a lot of them are. A lot of them are. You know, they're not all. They're not all bad. There's some bad ones, though. Some real bad ones. But true of every community on the planet. But I, um, after college, I went to, uh, I became part of this theater in Boston called Improv Sound. It's like the number one comedy club in Boston. It's a 200-seat theater in the round, uh, improv and sketch comedy, uh, Second City style. So all of our shows are, there's like a main stage that just six people that do every show. You're doing like 12 shows a week. You're wearing a suit. You know, it's, it's a two-act review with an opener and a closer. And you write a new show every, you know, four to six months and... Yeah, and was that was that the situation where like you went to classes and had to earn your way onto that stage? Yeah, yeah. So you take the classes, then you can audition for house teams, then you can audition for their developmental cast, then you can do their like kind of touring company, and eventually get main stage. So I was there for about seven years, Um, and you know, did all the classes, did every cast you could do. Was on the main stage for a long, long time. Um, But while I was on the main stage. I started a Halloween show, which I still do to this day. So I started a, their first, like, they didn't have any, like, holiday shows at that time. But I started a Halloween show that I wrote and directed. And it was like, okay, for a couple weekends, we take the main stage uh, regular show off the schedule. And we put this Halloween show and we see if it's successful. And it was the first year. And then I did the second year. And now um, I have a tattoo for the little logo for it because it's been running for, like, 14 years or something. So, uh, and now I do a version of it here in LA and I did a version of it when I moved to New York in New York. So it's like, uh, I was always finding places to, uh, perform and be a part of casts and ensembles and then find a way to do stuff that I wanted to do as well. Right. So, so seven years of that live theater experience. Yeah. Are you playing with cameras too during those seven years? Yeah. So, um, I moved to New York and the reason I moved to New York is because while I was on the main stage, we're doing these shows. It's, it's, you know, the best life. I lived in the North end of Boston, two blocks from the theater. Uh, I'm doing 12 shows a week and teaching the, the one night I have off from performing and like I making enough to live that way. Um, and you know, it's incredible, but you know, every time you do a new review the sketches, you just did go away and like slowly becomes like, well, what's tangible here? What do we, what do I have to show for this outside of this city where, you know, like I have a little clout, but you know, it's not going anywhere else. And my friend Richie Moriarty and I started a YouTube page and we did a Kickstarter and we did our first web series, which was called employment through Craigslist. Um, and we, we did six episodes, shot the whole thing, edited the whole thing. And then we, uh, cold emailed, uh, somebody that we found out had Massachusetts ties 
but that worked for Broadway Video in New York. And we said, hey, you know, we see that Broadway Video is starting to put more stuff on YouTube. Uh, we, would, we would love to be a part of that and make stuff for you guys. And she was like, come in for a meeting. And we went in and they were like, hey, you know, uh, uh, they're actually like, well, let us know if you make anything and then like you can submit it. And we were like, oh, we're already done. Here's six episodes. And we just sent the links like it, it exists. It's 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 there. And as soon as we did that, they were like, OK, great. Come to New York uh, and have a meeting. And we had a meeting at 30 Rock and, you know, got to come in. Say, there's the like, Lauren Michaels connection. That's his yeah. company. Yeah, no, I've been I've, I've been in the building. Um but we like we went in and they were like they were so surprised and I think it's a good lesson for everybody which is like they were so sure we were one of the many people that had been messaging them that didn't that had ideas but nothing tangible and we were like no no we're done this thing exists um, so we became a partner channel with them um, they were still figuring out what they were going to call their YouTube studio or their like kind of online presence uh, and they eventually settled with Above Average Productions but. Uh, so now I'm in, in Massachusetts, uh, shooting sketches for my page, which was called simply unemployable. That was Richie and I's page. And then, uh, also getting a, occasional budgets to shoot stuff for above average productions in New York. And as I was doing that, it was like, okay, I think even though the plan was to move to LA, I think New York is calling. So, uh, he and I both moved to New York. We would host above averages, live shows, uh, we would do our own live shows in Brooklyn and in uh, Manhattan at the People's Improv Theater. And then we would do web series and one-off sketches for this amazing company. So them, I'm back with cameras. I'm back with, uh, you know, editing. I'm learning more about editing so that I can do uh, final cuts or early cuts before uh, it gets passed out to the, like, the very professional, amazing people that they have. Um, but I got to do some really cool stuff there i got to shoot on a guillermo del toro designed set that was like built at the new york youtube studio just for halloween um and i got to do it like a dumb sketch it was called sex in a haunted house which was not my title but the marketing people which i should have known because i did go to school for marketing were like we're gonna call it sex in a haunted house and it is it's still online and it is at like a hundred and like five million views (laughs) Is it because it's a perfect sketch? Absolutely not. But I will say it is called Sex in a Haunted House. And it's got production value because it's a Guillermo del Toro design set. And people are like, let me click on that real quick. But also that title is about as brilliant a title as you get. I mean, I remember... uh, I mean, I think the main reason I love... uh, I love... Oh my God. I've I've lost the name of the guy I love. uh, But Sex, Eyes, and Videotape. Oh yeah, uh, Steven Soderbergh. Soderbergh, yeah. yeah, Soderbergh. Like I remember, my mom said to me when I told her it's one of the best movies I'd ever seen. She's like, "Well, people are seeing it because that the first word in the title is sex." Yeah, and I was like, "She's probably right." But yeah. sex in a haunted house, sex horror done. There, my my bread and butter <laughs> done, and because it was good. I'm sure I'm sure it helps it go viral. So Yeah, yeah. So um, you are mega viral. You got something mega viral in your back pocket with a uh, hundred million plus? I have a couple um pretty pretty viral things. The funny thing is that it's almost always when I'm like doing stuff for someone else. So it it's never fully translated. You know, like there's there's kids right now that are just doing TikToks, it's just them doing whatever. And so when it goes viral, it's just like 
man, we have to contact that person and hire them. Whereas like I was always uh, like a, a cog in a bigger, bigger machine where I'd be like, I'm going to do this, but for blank. And that's going to be awesome. But you get, you got to like scroll down to see my name as written and directed by or starring or any of those I mean, it's really based on your things. era, right? Like you were in an era where YouTube content was, I'm assuming Broadway video was jumping into it because everyone was like, well, this YouTube thing is kind of on the new side. And if we turn our back to it, we might yeah. be fucked. So let's 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 embrace YouTube with their whatever it was above average. But the bubble, the bubble burst, but like for a while, it was the best, it was the best creative outlet and the best pipeline for new comics and new writers. Like above average did this incredible thing where like if you were a partner channel, you would have like a day of the week where like one of your things would play. And it would be like in between like huge people from 30 rock and from other shows who also had their like shows. So like they'd be Monday and then Richie and I would be Tuesday, you know? And it was like, your name is just being circulated with these other great people. And it was just, they, they cultivated a lot of great talent, but I think um, that's very hard to maintain because you're kind of hemorrhaging money on not that sketches like cost a lot, but like a web series can, can get up there, especially if you're doing it right. Um, and you're, where's the money coming from? You know, like it has to go viral or you have to get sponsors or you have to do branded content on the side. And it's, it starts to like eventually be like, well, maybe we should just do branded content or maybe we should just do the, like a celebrity thing. And that's it. It's, uh, so there was, there was some golden days there. Well, I think they also right Broadway realized Broadway video very clearly realized that the, the YouTube well, I think YouTube actually helped keep SNL relevant for a while by throwing sketches on there. And, yeah, yeah. you know, so that people who thought it was, might not be funny anymore would actually see clips. Yeah. And obviously, like, they pulled the Lonely Island guys onto the show. Like, they kept pulling people from yeah. from this indie, you know, upload world yeah. onto SNL. Like, they, they yeah, definitely, people, people they definitely making... made it work as, like, their farm team people making great stuff and you just go like, cool, they, they can do it. Let's help them do it at an even like higher level. It's really a, it, pretty awesome. Um, that was, that was a great, all of this stuff, just incredible training grounds to keep making things. Uh, and then on the side be doing live shows. You, you're used to being in front of a crowd. Like there's just, uh, it's, I've been very fortunate in the amount of, uh, things like that, that I've been able to do. I was going to say that it sounds like your transition from Boston to New York could not have been more positive and natural. Like, like you literally, you had this great setup in Boston and it took you no time at all to have the same kind of thing going in New York with, with the theater and the productions and, and making your own stuff. Like that's, that is not the usual I moved to New York story. Well, I was still miserable and had no money and like lived in a closet or on a friend's couch for like most of that time. Very expensive closet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And in Boston, like, I, you know, I'm working at a theater where like, again, six nights of the week, I'm doing live shows like to sold out crowds to living in New York where I'm doing, you know, two or three monthly shows and uh, begging people to come to them. <laughs> Like, like bringer shows, right? Like, yeah, like empty. You know, like I have my own show, but it's like I gotta like really hustle to get anybody. I like I went from a place that's just constantly sold out to being like, "Will you come to my show, please?" I'm I live in New York now, and everyone's like, Ooh. 
comedy show? I'm not sure. You're like, oh, uh, it God. is so fucking hard. Isn't it weird that the bigger population of the city you're in, the harder it is to get people to come to the arts. And more, there's just more, more things. There's just to more see. options. There's more things and people are busier. Yeah. Whereas I'm all, I got to admit, I do have some FOMO for those festivals that take place in a little town of 20,000 people somewhere. Yeah. And the whole town is like, Oh, there's movies. Let's go. <laughs> yeah. One of the big, like, uh, you know, learning curves for me was in Boston. I had constantly wonderful general audience crowds, which are just people from the suburbs, you know, families, people on dates, bachelorette parties, like, and then you go to New York or LA and when you do shows, it's like 80% of the audience is other comedians or it's other people in the industry. And like, that's not the same audience (laughs) as, as, as real people going to see a show. And it's like, you know, you really have to adjust and pivot. And I feel bad for the people that go the other way, which is like, they're first used to doing live shows for other comedians and for people in the industry. And then they go to do a show for like, you know, real people. And they're like, that didn't work. And I don't know why. And they're like, I know why it's because you real people haven't seen it yet. <laughs> it's not, it's not the same reaction. It's a totally different world. Real people. It's, it's that well, you know what I didn't say, which is normally one of my back pocket comments that makes me sound knowledgeable is all your live stage experience. There is no better way Right. It's just like the Beatles in Hamburg. Like there's no better way for you to learn what works and what doesn't with an audience because because you get that immediate response. Whereas people who sit and write comedy scripts for a decade, if they never do a a table read, if they never get it in front, you know, if they just show it to friends, if it's always on the page, they actually never really know if it's funny or not. They never really know what lines work and what moments don't. There's no better uh, lesson in editing than like being a part of the theater that I was from because you get so used to improv scenes and sketch scenes where you understand that like you have to have them almost immediately. So this has to get cut and this has to get cut and this has to get cut because you have to grab them by this point and then it has to heighten by this point and you really kind of like start to see how that stuff works. Um, and you know, you're always trying to figure it out and always trying to like, you know, be a step ahead because you're like, Oh, I don't have as much time as I thought I had. And like, writing a feature sometimes feels like so much freedom because you're like i got all the time in the world don't i and then you're like i don't i gotta remember that like you still have to page to page and you know section to section win people over true although you do have if you do have that hook on page one uh yeah and then you hit another hook by page five then you got some breathing room right then you can like start okay, now I'm going to do more introduction and like have a real solid first act before that plot point that starts act. But like if you grab them early, then you got some luxuries. But yeah, boy. For sure. Lord knows when you see a film and it's a slow burn, I'm like, okay, I can appreciate a slow burn, but you got to do that one thing that that wins me over early or eventually I'm going to have to let go. Something has to be really compelling. It's got to it's gotta be something. I have a lot of friends that are uh, very talented and very funny. And like they're part of what makes them so good is that like you'll follow them wherever and they can get away with more than I can. Like, you know, you start to figure out like I have to do blank <laughs> for it to work and they can do whatever. And it's like you, you really start to put the pieces together, especially right. when Every, everyone's got their ensembles. Yeah. yeah. Well, so New York sounds like it was going well, living in a closet, whatever it was, but what what caused the move uh, out to Los Angeles? 
Um, or is I, there, I, were there, but, but wait, let me interrupt myself. Don't answer that question unless there's no answer to this one, which was you were doing this stuff for YouTube. Were there, was there any like film festival kind of films that you also made on the side that you were doing in that era or it was solely for YouTube and live performance? Yeah, it was solely for YouTube and live performance. I like really focused on like, that's where I'm making stuff and then that's where I put it. And then however it does is, is that, you know, like I, it, to go from that's the thing I was focusing on in college and then kind of like not forgetting it, but I got so kind of sidetracked on like, no, no, no. Like this is, this is the platform that I'm, I'm aiming towards. And, um, well, and it was, it was things, accessible, it was right? It was, you, you, you had an in. Yeah. So why would you sit back and why would you sit back and write, I'm going to write a 15 minute short that wouldn't work on YouTube that, that I could shoot as a proof of concept. Like you're not going to do that when you're busy. I kind of wish, I kind of wish I did, but like, yeah, I, that, that was the thought was like, yeah, I, I, what do you mean? I am busy. I'm already shooting stuff all the time. Or I have a, you know, I have like my own page above averages uh, has pitches, you know, due next week. It's like, you know, there was always something to, to be working on. So, um, but I eventually came out here. I always wanted to make it to LA and, um, um, I booked the, uh, NBC Universal Showcase out here, which is like a live showcase that you do for um, that company, and it like was directed by Mick Napier, who literally wrote the book Improvise, uh, and it was really this like wonderful experience that I had. And as soon as I did that and got um, options from it, I was like, oh, um, it's time. I'm going to LA, and it was around the time that I finally got comfortable in New York. So that's the real bummer is that I was like, you know what? I know my way around. I know which dollar pizza is the best dollar pizza. I'm really living well. <laughs> it was like, now I got to get to LA now. <laughs> And start, you know, like do the, do the hard reset. Every time you go to a new city, it's like you, you bring the skills with you, but you're pretty much like, I'm here now. And people are like, no one cares. And you're like, cool, cool. I'll just start to start to rebuild. Yeah. Although you'd think, you'd think I would assume that you had a little bit of an edge over someone who, who moved here with, without that New York Boston experience, right. Post-college and some success. Cause you know, some people show up and they're like, well, I was in my, uh, I mean, this boy, this is a dick statement, but, but I was in, I went to college in Iowa and I was on the improv team of my, at my school. Um, now I'm in LA, make me somebody. And it's like, well, yeah. you were, you had way better bona fides than that. A little bit, but like, I think the best thing that I had coming out here was at this point, I've worked with so many incredible people that also live out here or have moved out here. So the one kind of soft landing is that I'm constantly surrounded by people that I know from New York and Boston that I've performed with for years that I can have in shorts that I can put in sketches that I can do live shows with. And like, and having that, uh, baseline has been foundation has been huge. It is nice that in general, a pretty good percentage of people end up in LA. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Lord knows most of the people I talk to on this podcast are like, well, yeah, my and my college has a presence here in L.A. And it's so funny because I'm in third generation Angelino. So the idea of coming from somewhere else and yet having a crew of people from where you came from, like that's just foreign to me. Like I got no idea. Yeah, what well, makes up for it because that, the one thing I regret with my college experience is like, you know, there are I think one of the big benefits of a film school, especially one of note is that when you go to a place like this, there is a like, Oh, my college has a presence and like, you know, you're out here. Cool. Here's like your little network of people to get in contact with and do whatever. And not having that 
but at least having, all right, well, here's everybody that used to be main stage that all lives out here now. Here's all the people that I knew from New York that uh, live out here now. And so there's, there's another version of it. But um, as, as we all know, so much of it out here, especially is connection. Um, yeah. you know, and you had to initiate, to, you probably had to initiate a gathering of all those people instead of just, Oh, uh, the semi-annual mixer for my college, everyone who's moved out here. I can, I just got an email that there's going to be, you know, 71 of us. And, yeah. you know, who knows, maybe some of those people already got jobs and are looking for to crew up and stuff. Yeah. But I have like my friend, Mike Anastasia is like one of the best improvisers I know. And he like, he had a show at second city. So as soon as I got here, I could like go and jump into that show. But like that show would occasionally be, you know, like he was also where I'm from. So it's like, we're doing a show an incredible show like me, Jenna Jolovich, who was like second city royalty and like Adam Peacock, who's second city royalty, Mike. And it's like, we're doing a show at 10 PM on Mondays, <laughs> you know, like at second city, which was a theater that no one liked to go, like hasn't come back because it's not coming back. You know, like it was <laughs> a location nobody out here even liked to get to. And it's like, uh, I'm like, wow, I'm with these legends and we're doing a great show for certainly four students. What a, what a world. <laughs> I don't want to distract you, but I've never understood why Second City didn't get a great toehold in L.A. <laughs> like, I guess it was just always location. It was just location because they, uh, where it was and like on paper, if you're in another city, if you're in like Chicago and you're making these decisions, and I'm sure it sounded like, hey, right on Hollywood Boulevard, we're going to be right in the thick of things. This is going to be great. And then it's like it was up those stairs. You needed a security code because that street is so terrible. There's no parking over there. They didn't have a bar. Like it, it just like all these things kind of compounded to be like, all right, that's not, you know, the place. Whereas like UCB Franklin was right on Franklin. There's parking. It's next to birds. Everybody loves that area. Like there's yeah. a whole other. Yeah, and they took place. over the, the space was improv Olympic before them. So it was already known for comedy. Yeah. All so that. yeah. Yeah. Second city certainly deserved to have a better presence in this town than, than UCB. That's just my opinion, but. Hopefully Second City comes back and when they do, it's it's because they've really found like a great place to kind of uh build up. For sure. I know as as anathema as it probably sounds, they probably should have just tried to be close to the groundling theater. Like yeah. they were th- within five minutes of there, then then all of a sudden you have a comedy hub. Like I don't think it's a coincidence that comedy store, improv, and laugh factory are all within like a ten minute drive. Yeah. Yeah. You kind of like go like, oh no, that's where those things are and you know, that's, you yeah, know. you create a comedy district, right? Well, yeah. but anyhow, so you get out to LA and, and you're already, uh, you get a toehold with the second city thing, shooting stuff right away. Um, shooting sketches still. Um, but like, yeah, for the most part, just, just sketch and writing a ton. So I'm like re- really at this point, like focused on like having some features and pilots that I can say, like, these are done. I'm putting those into festivals and like, you know, starting to, Hey, I'm a semifinalist in whatever, or like, you know, a uh, um, finalist, or I won this award. And like, I, I start to kind of like do that circuit for a little bit. Um, and all the while, you know, you have your, your LA meetings where you're like, Hey, this is me. I do these live shows. I, you know, I wrote this script semifinalist at Austin, like, look at me go. Uh, and then you start to think like, okay, my whole thing has always been uh, to be able to answer all the questions of like, what else do you have? Um, so I really started to like look through and be like, what is my, what am I missing? You know, if I'm in one of these meetings and they go, Oh, it's too bad. You don't have a live show. I go, I certainly do. 
They're like, oh, it's too bad you don't do characters. And I'm like, I certainly do. Here's my character reel. Like, oh, too bad you don't do stand-up. I'm like, I also do stand-up now. I started doing stand-up, so now I have a stand-up show. So you can see that. It's like, okay, uh, you don't have any, you don't have a pilot. Here's your pilot. And here's like, it's on the future. Here's your future. Uh, and then I hadn't done a short in a long time. And as I was saying earlier, like, I'm writing features that are horror or horror comedy. And uh, my live shows don't really kind of reflect that. Um, and the sketch comedy that I'm doing online doesn't, doesn't necessarily reflect that. So I go, okay, I need to have this script as I send it out there. I also want to put with it a short um, that I can say was in some festivals that's, you know, that I was uh, really able to do uh, and go like, Hey, this is what I was able to do with no money. Can you imagine if you gave me some help, <laughs> you know, like that, that, that route where you go like, please, huh? What do you think? If you like it, can you imagine if only, if only I wasn't the costume designer? <laughs> um, so that, that was the plan. It was, uh, it's always been to kind of keep checking those boxes. For sure. And, and you nailed it on a lot of that because, well, it sounds like you also learned through experience, but yeah, one of the, one of the keys to making it is not just doing one thing. It's not just, uh, Lord knows when, when someone also like someone who like, writes a great feature screenplay and they're like, I think I'm done. It's like, no, you got to write four more because in that first meeting with someone, yeah. if you don't have five scripts, you should have 10. But if you don't yeah. have five ideas, and by the way, your good one, you should make the third or fourth you mentioned because yeah. they need to say no two or three times. And yeah. then they'll be happy telling you that's a good idea. But if you give them the good idea first, yeah. And then your four half-ass ideas, they're going to think they also, they, they, they need to say no. They need to let you know that you're, you know, they put you in your place at first in those meetings. And I'm saying all this, like, I like, like have known it all along. I'm saying like trial and error this entire time has been like, okay, I've been doing that for a long time. That's been my focus. But now they're asking for blank. I don't have it. <laughs> like, right. So you're counterpunching. Okay. Yeah. It was yeah, all counterpunching. Yeah. So I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm constantly catching up, um, very and spirits ahead. spirits was the first one spirits was the first one out here yeah should i ask how many years like from when you moved here to when you when you did spirits um i guess three i never got years i never. well you said seven years in boston yeah i don't know exactly how many years in new york four in new york four in new york uh, yep and then out here about, yeah and then out here i've been out here for almost six very cool yeah so, you know, a journey. Always. So, uh, was it during COVID you decided to do spirits? Um, yes, it was. Uh, COVID was like, okay, I want to make. I need to like. Yeah. Plus, I mean, done. you're a you're a live performer so often, so you you got locked yeah. out of of one of your main outlets for a year. Yeah, very hard. The longest. I mean, I remember like you know two weeks in to quarantine, losing my mind because I was like, I've never gone more than four days without doing a show in the last decade. Like it was crazy. Like the, the actual like math of it was like so wild of like how long it, like I had always had something, you know, like taken, taken almost a week off, but like I would do stuff when I was on vacation. So it's like, it was very, it was hard um, living that way. And I did like, uh, you know, a YouTube series with me and a puppet where I recommend like my favorite, underloved horror movies called deep cuts so it's like just me on a couch with a puppet were you working you're working the puppet and you're like doing live 
Yeah, like I'm, I'm like doing this stuff where it's like my my this guy Richie, my friend, the, the writing partner in New York and stuff, like basically put his persona into a puppet because he's I like horror and all this weird shit, and he hates all that stuff. So it's like you know this puppet that's like here to learn about Earth and like to save its own planet, but instead it's stuck with me. And I'm just like, have you seen? dead and buried and it's like no i haven't matt please don't do this to me and i'm like here's why it's great you know but i'm like you know i'm finding these other outlets and i'm like okay you know this i wrote this feature anthology that i was like when we get out if we all live and survive and we make it out of all of this then like this is the thing that i want to shoot i want to shoot this anthology i want to like call in the favors and the friends that i know and um spirits is a part of that is a is a, a a short within that anthology and i was like you know what when we can go places, as soon as we could go outside or inside, I started to do live shows at a bar um, called a Wino Vino in Atwater. Uh, that has a little speakeasy with a stage in the basement. And uh, I talked to the owners and I was like, hey, could I shoot something down here? And then I was like, okay, which of my ideas make sense for this, you know, if I could get one location and shoot? And that's, that's spirits. I needed a haunted bar. So the concept is a creep show kind of film uh, anthology. Mm-hmm. Yep. Creep show, but with more of a... Um, uh, the framework itself has its own like narrative and um, right. So there's a through narrative that mm-hmm. ties the shorts. Yeah. But I mean, talk about a great idea because I mean, you could, you can do them one by one if you need to, and then end up with your feature. So that was the, the whole thing was like, because of quarantine, because of pandemic, not knowing how things were going to shake out. It's like, okay, I could potentially, you know, I, I can't, I maybe can't get a big star or a friend of mine that's really doing well for months but i might be able to get them for a week and if i can get them for a week then i can do this and they can be in that you know like and i'm you know i'm doing the math backwards a little bit but yeah excellent so so spirits came together well for you yeah it came together great like i you know i again i'm very fortunate to have so many talented people out here with me um that i'm able to go like hey i get a thing can you still you still can you come (laughs) I know you have a day right now, but like, could you, could you pop by and do blank for me? And, um, so I'm very lucky that it, it came out as well as it did. And again, for, you know, I, I didn't raise any money, you know, like I, the, the location was a favor or the, the bar that I shot in is open while we're shooting. Uh, they couldn't close. So there's customers. So we're cutting every time a customer comes into the room. Um, there's ADR that's there because, People are talking in the corner or coming up to order and don't care that I have a camera set up. You know, it's like uh, free is never free. Um, no, but, but also it sounds like, but also talk about, I mean, at water, no one's going to be like, oh, they're shooting something. Fuck this place. I'm leaving. Like, they're like, fine. You know, they're yeah, probably yeah. assuming you're an AFI guy or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Good luck. <laughs> and, and you, because of your network of people, because you've, because you're performing and stuff. So I assume like, there's a really funny bar fly uh, who you're not playing. Like, obviously, you did you have that person in mind when you were writing it? Yeah, yeah. That's my friend James the Third. James is uh, just one of the best there is. Uh, he's in a sketch show uh, called Astronomy Club that was a UCB team that was uh, then has a Netflix season. Um, unbelievable. If you like sketch comedy, um, go on Netflix and watch Astronomy Club. But James, uh, everything I do out here has a part for James if he's around <laughs> and he's been making shorts as well. And so I've been in all of his and uh, the people that worked on spirits are all making their own things. And I've been helping them with theirs. So I'm acting in one, I'm, you know, helping edit another. And so it's, you know, 
the dream, which I think when you come from, especially ensemble comedy, is like get the gang together and everybody help each other out and you know build a little build a little community and network. And it took a little bit, but we're slowly getting there out here. That is totally how it should be. Yeah. Excellent. All right, so so you you put it together and you're happy with. I mean, I'm just going to tell you you're happy with it, although. As I recall at the Q and A, you're like, no, no, I see lots of, I see lots of shit I want to change. <laughs> it's just hard, you know. You uh, every once in a while, especially in the editing process, people would be like, oh, could you, you know, here's a note. The, the worst notes for everybody out there, and a lot of you already know this, but like, a lot of times you got to give notes on the thing that you're watching, not the thing that you then think of in your brain. Um, and so, a lot of notes you have to pick the friends that you know that will be able to watch something and go, I understand what this is, or I understand what the limitations are. Here's some thoughts. Uh, whereas like, you, uh, you know, I said spirits to some people who are like, it'd be great if you had an outside shot where like blank is happening. And I'm like, it's very interesting. There is no extra footage. There is nothing like what you're seeing. There's not even really any extra takes. Like you're watching. <laughs> I shot for the edit and we didn't have any time. And we shot. Have you considered five spirits in the basement instead of three? Like, <laughs> no, yeah. the, legitimately people have, like stuff like that. It's like, Oh, it's too bad. You didn't do like whatever. And I'm like, that's so great. Do you have money for the feature? Cause I will certainly put that in and take that to heart. But like right now I need to get across the idea. And like, I think the thing that I was complaining about, not complaining about, but saying in the, even in the Q and A is that um, the stuff I see isn't that I regret certain shots or that the way it looks, it's that there's a lot of ideas that I'm hinting at and I love explaining them in Q and A's and stuff like that. Um, but I wish I was able to convey a few more of them into, you know, a few more of the rules or a few more of like, oh, it's actually that because blank. Because right now when people say, oh, I loved it. I can't believe it's about this girl who like breaks this one rule of talking. And then she gets haunted. I'm like, it's not that. It's, you know, everybody talks when there's a ghost, but she happens to try to barter with the ghost. And because she does that, the ghost can take its form a little bit more than it could somewhere else. And like, you know, like I have, I have the lore built out, but um you know, leave them wanting more. But I'm also like, I wish I had given a few more. Like, I remember my younger brother, Dylan, is a very funny, uh, very pragmatic. And like, he watched it and I was explaining stuff to him. And he was, he just listened for a long time. And he went, man, that's really cool. You should have put some of that in the movie. Which is the way a younger brother is supposed to be. Yeah, for sure. But also should have, you're like, yeah, that's my plan when I make the actual movie. This was the teaser. So, yeah. yeah. I mean... As I recall, I'm sure you recall this, like, I re- we had that audience, uh, a nice audience at your screening in June, yeah. and and I turned to you and I said, everyone here wants wants more from you. Like, like yeah. every question was really like, we're into this. Yeah. Tell us more. And like, what better reaction can you have to a short it's that's true. really just teasing a bigger story than we are interested in your bigger story? Like, that's, I would call that an A-plus rating you know thank you i mean the uh film invasion la is unbelievable in that regard because i've done a lot of festivals but like this one had the most amount of curious people the most amount of like when i walked into the hallway afterwards uh like a guy cornered me to be like if she had picked a different decanter what would have happened and i'm like oh i wanted to answer this question like yes please um how much time do you have what do you uh, what are you looking for here <laughs> so i'll give you the answers and i'd love to Awesome. Awesome. All right. Well, so since June, I assume you haven't, uh, haven't had time to shoot another film or anything, but are you, so what's the plan? Are you going to do 
other teasers from this feature that's in an anthology, or you're gonna try to do a full version of the spirits thing? What's 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 in your back pocket? My back pocket right now is that I, I have been shooting stuff, but I've been shooting uh, back to my bread and butter. I've been doing a lot of sketch. Um, I do a monthly sketch show at the Alamo Draft House, so I do a, a movie nerd show at the Alamo Draft House, and um, I spend months working on my Halloween show. That again, I started in Boston many years ago, but now I do a version out here. So the Halloween show is on October 28th, um, but it has a whole framework. It has sketches within it. So I'm shooting some sketches. Some sketches are going to be live. I have special guests. So it's like, it takes up a lot of time, but the plan for spirits is, I think this month, um, I'm going to release spirits publicly. Um, and when I do, I'm going to try to coincide that with, um, uh, sending the script back out to some places and saying, you know, here's thing that i have here's the short that i was able to make from it um here's some of the awards you know like really i'm trying to compile the um the little package and say hey like we're we're the strikes and stuff have put things off a little bit so it's you know everything's it's going to take a while for not just things to come back but for like now all those top line things have to happen like it's it hasn't been the best time to live in la in general (laughs) It's been a weird vibe. Yeah, I even had people say things to me along the lines of like, you know, this podcast has the the TV series Born From It. It's actually on Amazon. I had a bunch of people say, ooh, while the strike is going, let's just hold back. And I was like, I mean, this is kind of why the strike's going is kind of the perfect time to strike. Or not perfect time, the perfect time to put things out there because there's so much attention on it, but yeah, people just didn't want to be associated with, uh, you know, the idea that you're crossing the line. Although I'm like, Hey, independently produced stuff should never be held back. But yeah, I've been able to get access to a lot of friends who, uh, have been very busy with wonderful work. Uh, but it's like, you still have those live shows. I'm like, I certainly do. You, uh, you got a free night. Um, All of a sudden, they're not ex- too too tired after after a full day in a writer's room somewhere. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's kind of it's it's uh, mostly terrible, but a couple little um, spots like that have been nice. Um, but yeah, so I think I think I'm going to release spirits. I'm trying to figure out the best way to do it. Um, but like you know, make spirits. Uh, I have a website called thehappyghostproductions.com, and right now it, it it has all the sketches and it has the deep cut series and it has teasers about spirits, but like, I think, you know, uh, housing it there so that people can actually see it and, uh, get access to it. And then starting to see what happens from that. And then, uh, again, checking those boxes when someone says, well, what's, you know, what else do you have for this? Or is there a feature or is there, you know, more to the short? I can go like, what's your email? Here's the PDF. For sure. For sure. And, you know, Lord knows the, the Discover Indie film door is always open to you if you want spirits to be involved. But I also am aware that there's a lot of really good horror uh, venues, whether it's YouTube channels or websites, that I'm aware, like, because it's horror, like, it's more commercial in a lot of ways. And sometimes those websites or YouTube channels want something exclusive. So totally respect you, you know. Lord knows you can't say you can't say no to one of those biggies that focuses on your genre. Well, let's talk more because I'm still I'm looking into all that stuff. I just started to. So I'm just trying to figure out like what the what the next thing is. But that's the nice thing about horror is that like, yeah, like I uh, when I was like a freshman in college, I was in a very low budget horror movie called Camp Slaughter. 
Um, don't look it up, okay? <laughs> but I won't look uh, it up, but that's another good damn title. Well, here's the thing. It was called Camp Days, and Universal bought distribution uh, and changed it to Camp Slaughter and changed like the cover of the DVD. But I was working at a video store when that happened. So I, I was working at a video store and like at the front, the manager had like Camp Slaughter featuring our own Matt Catton. So I was like renting out this movie that I was in while working at a video store. And, you know, a lot of people aren't going to be able to say that someday. And that's uh, a lot of people. Real and and even yeah. if you weren't too proud of it, you don't want people looking it up now. I'm sure at the time you were like, hey, I didn't write the thing. <laughs> I was just like, hey, this, th- again, it was uh, people with uh, not a lot of money, like, you know, went to a camp and did the damn thing and, like, did practical effects. And, like, you know, there's a lot to applaud. Um, and then got distribution and were in video stores. So it's like, I don't know, you can't can't knock that. That's like, they did it. More power to you. I, I had a similar experience when, when Tower Records in Hollywood closed. <laughs> I went for, the, you know, they kept having better sales. I went on like the last week when the sales were super deep and there might have been three or four DVDs of a film that I directed that New Line had released on DVD. And oh, yeah. I I had to be that guy. I'm like, well, fuck, they're not sending me any more free copies. So yeah. I'll buy these for two bucks each. And at the fucking, I had to say it. I had to say it to the, the cashier. I'm like, yeah, I kind of directed this. Yeah. I'm they're just like, grabbing copies because I, I, yeah, well, how can I say no for two dollars? And and to this day, I think that person probably said that guy was a loser. But anyway, what an industry! It's a crazy world. <laughs> even even with a tangible, I actually did this and had distribution. You're still still at Tower Records as it's collapsing around you, buying a copy. Yeah, seriously, it? this this uh, this format that is dying in a video yeah. store that is dying. Yeah, everything everything around us is a, the entire world is being destroyed by the internet. Yeah, but I did yeah. something. What are you gonna yeah. do? Yeah, and meanwhile, I keep putting stuff on the internet. So I don't know. I mean, you sounds like you're doing it right. No, I'm like, is there? I'm gonna do TikToks all day now. You know, that's all. That's all. Have you have you done the TikTok thing yet? I've done some TikTok thing. I do like old man sketch comedy on TikTok though. Like I do sketches on there that like certainly like Gen Z like kids are like this is longer than a movie. Why is this guy? <laughs> but you know, I take, uh, especially like a lot of the horror comedy stuff that I have. That's like really short. I'm like, okay, I can do this down and dirty and do it vertical, even though it kills me. Oh, the vertical thing. It's, it's just such a stab in the heart. I did. Uh, this is the last thing I'll tell you about the, any of this stuff, but I did a sketch called uh, creepy children's drawings. It's just like uh, a teacher who's like, your, your kid can't go to the school anymore. They keep drawing spooky pictures which is in every horror movie you know it's just like very easy sketch about that trope um and i shot it with friends we shot it in a classroom it looks gorgeous it's on my website it's a great sketch i put it on you know like exactly how it was on tiktok and like you know some people watched it but like not many it's a long sketch and it's it's not shot for tiktok then i put the camera vertical put a green screen behind me and put a crappy classroom got rid of the other actors and it's just me doing the part of the teacher and it it has like nine hundred thousand likes, like it, and it it took it cost no money, it took no time, like it it was a real lesson for me. And like I went out of my way to do this like elaborate shoot to to have an extra to have a kid actually in it, um, and you know put it on YouTube for like nobody nobody basically, and then um, just two camera did my part of it as a monologue, <laughs> and it. 
And it, I mean, what can I say? I, I have no, I don't, I'm I don't just know. too, I'm too old to get TikTok. It's not meant for me, yeah. but boy, when I, when I showed my niece, like some little videos, we were the, the team behind the festivals were trying to put together to put on TikTok. She's like, you can't put that on TikTok. That looks like an ad. And yeah. I was like, it, it kind of is an ad. She's like, well, don't do it. Yeah. You got to switch to someone talking to their phone for, for 40 seconds. I'm the more like, production value, the more they like, they, they, they smell it. They go, Oh no, this is an ad. Someone's trying to sell me something, get rid of this. It's gone. And it's uh, so far, everything I've done, it's like the simplest, dumbest thing. Totally fine on there. Algorithm picks it up. Great. But anything that I really put some heart and soul into, it's like, no, 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 sir. No, thank you. Well, at least, you know, at least you got both sides. At least you know how to work it. I got to admit, I'm already thinking, all right, uh, note to self when, when film invasion in LA is coming around again, maybe I asked Matt to do some TikToks <laughs> to promote screenings or whatever. Cause you just let me know. Gotta, just gotta remind find, me. I got to find I'm going to go, we need certain... lights and I need whatever. And you're going to be like, you told me you don't need those things. And I'll go, Oh yeah, I forgot. I don't need those things. But my, I mean, I'm pretty sure no one needs to see me on there. I, you know, I, a, uh, a well-advanced, gray-bearded, out of no, touch. No, you're the face of the organization. You're the people that you people knew you. You're like a change. celebrity at that uh, mixer. It was like, have you met Jeff? He's over there. And you were like standing, everyone's surrounding you. You're glowing somehow. I was like, who is this man? And what is going on? Well, that's not my perception of the evening, but... I'm, what am I going to do? Argue with you? Uh, yeah, you can. I'm a guest. I, I've most of the time <laughs> I think I'm standing there and people are like, "Who's that guy? What? What's his deal?" But yeah, no, no, it's the opposite. Other than a few people who were like only came because they were denied, so they're like looking to you know like eventually corner you to be like, "You watched my movie and why didn't you pick it?" Where there's a couple of those, it's funny. Some people, you know, we do. I shouldn't say this while it's being recorded and then shared with the world, but. When someone sends that pissed off email that they didn't get in, and by the way, like when a film festival gets like 700 submissions and we show 40 films, it doesn't mean you suck if you don't get in. It just means you're not great. Not kidding. So anyway, but, <laughs> but whenever they send the angry email, like, and it gets forwarded to me, I'm like, give them a free pass. Let them say, Hey, we were, we understand it's disappointing not to get in. If you want to come watch, Everything that did get in, you can come watch for free. Come come support other filmmakers and get a vibe for what we like. Yeah, that's a great and, way to uh, do it. Some of them say yes, but no one's ever come up to me at the theater and said, hey, I'm one of the ones that got rejected that you gave a free pass to. And and everything I saw tonight's better than my film, because that would be honest. <laughs> yeah, but it wouldn't be. It'd be like, and, my, my trash is just as good as this trash. It's always go, weird. Our, go, our standards oh are so high. Like, I mean, there are... Honestly, there's no bad films at our festivals. You know, we we just focus on quality. You do do that. That was top to bottom. Some cool stuff. It's uh, the la- my my ultimate nightmare is is when is I just I just won't because I am stuck being the face of those two festivals. If if there's something bad, I'm like, well, then people think I'm a hack. So I, I my my fragile male ego will not allow a bad film, even if they have like. We have a thousand people who will buy tickets to our film. I'm like, eh, it's not good enough. Yeah, this this is not your in. TikTok. You're just gonna turn the camera the other way and you just go, look, my fragile male ego won't allow me to put bad stuff in this festival. So submit. And if you don't get in, come see the other stuff and you'll see why. <laughs> like that's that's all you gotta do. 
That's a Boom. good idea. Title card and we're out. That's that's it. You got it. That's your TikTok. Damn. All right. Well, I'm becoming a consultant. That's what I'm. <laughs> this is a very you could be you could be you could consult. Mine. You got Mine. you got. Uh, not only are are you a person with good i with ideas, but they tend to be good ones, and you tend to you tend to have some. You got a nice track record. That's okay. Hey, I'm hanging, I'm hanging in. I'm still hey, doing the numbers stuff. of likes you got on TikTok already. I'm still around. That's my thing. Can I, I say like, that? You know that's, what? I'm to still, me, that shows that's huge. That's huge. I'm still that, making uh, stuff. That's like uh, that's the testament. Go like, how's that person doing? Like, well, they're still doing it. For real. Something. For real. All right. Anything else you want to throw in before we uh, move on? Uh, no. Uh, go to the happyghostproductions.com or follow me at Matt Catanzano. But like, um, you know, uh, spirits will be up there for people to watch. If you want to message me and get it sooner i will happily um send it off to some people or, yep. or watch deep cuts watch me and a puppet explain why movies that i like are good you know it's, I'm, it's, I, I am gonna find that yeah. i'm gonna ask send me a link to that because i yeah. i have a soft spot for puppets i mean i think almost everyone does yeah but on on tv high there's already two puppet series that yeah. mix puppets and humans i just think the puppet human marriage is perfect on screen my friend my friend Rachel made it and she like worked on electric mayhem for Disney. Like she makes incredible puppets. Um, Rachel made studio. It's unbelievable. But so I'm, it's, it's surprisingly good <laughs> for like what I'm Excellent. doing. You'd be like, Oh my God, he really like went for it. Like, that's the thing. If you always go for it, then you won't regret making anything. And, and, and that's on YouTube. That's yeah. So if someone goes to the happy which is mm-hmm. a clickable link in your show notes of this podcast listener. Yes. Then they'll, they'll be able to link to all these things. All those things. They'll be able to find the, the Instagram at Deep Cut Series or my Instagram at Matt Catanzano. And all the live shows are listed, Halloween shows, all that stuff. It's all there. Super. I have no lack of things if, if anybody's looking. I'm just waiting. Well, also, you're to smart enough to have them all in one place, too. Like, like you've made the happyghostproductions.com like your hub so that Yes. Because nothing's t-shirts. worse than when it's like, well, if you go, here's like, if everything is discord, uh, disconnected. Yeah. Then, then uh, yeah, you've done, you, you're good. Yeah. I have t-shirts. You can buy merch. I think just my family buys them. And by just my family, I mean, maybe just my dad. <laughs> uh, by the way, I guess my last commentary <laughs> is that knowing that you're a comedy professional with a love for horror and who's pursuer pursues horror. Uh, it doesn't take a genius to figure out why you called it happy ghost. And, and your ghost is cute as fuck. I love that. When you, when you wore that That's ghost to your ghost t-shirt to the, to the festival, I was like, there it, I was on the screen. That's, that's a cool little, you already got a logo too. That's my drawing. Got Thank a you. Bachelor's degree in marketing. Yeah, see, I, I mean, just realized I mean, it is the marketing degree why why you got your shit together. Listen, it all comes back to I I did learn how to do some stuff, so I made a logo. I got my own little logo. I put it on a t-shirt. I I get it. I don't follow through enough, I think, but I I certainly have all the things there if somebody else wants to come in and uh manage them. There are only a certain number of hours per day and yeah. uh I already did mention that you have a newborn, so clearly <laughs> yeah. clearly the fact that you get anything done, the fact that your hair is brushed and you're wearing a shirt is kind of impressive for a new dad, I think. Well, brushed is generous, but thank you. <laughs> it's brushed. Comp- okay, so anyway, 
I will get us out of here. I will do the, the closing spiel, as I call it. All right, so you just got to hear uh, Matt Cavanzano talk all about spirits. Go to his the clickable link for thehappyghostproductions.com for that. If you want to learn more about this podcast or the TV series that was born from it, just go to discoverindiefilm.com. Uh, on social media, it's always at D-I-F wins. When I mention the TV series that was born from it, that's because... I'll try to be fast. I got so sick. Uh, we have long Q&As at our festivals, but I got really annoyed with the fact that after 15 minutes, 15, 20 minutes, there was so much more this person needed to say. So I started the podcast and then all the people making features were telling me that they were on streaming and all the people who made shorts were not. So talked to a bunch of the people who made shorts and we threw together season one, like 25 shorts and 10 episodes. They're about half an hour each. And we put it on Amazon Prime Video. And by season three, we were up to 10,000 unique viewers a week and it was kicking ass. And, and then Amazon noticed us and said, we're moving you from included with Prime to people have to pay. So now I'm asking people go to Amazon Prime Video, type in Discover Indie Film in the search field. And if you don't mind, it is $7.99 for a 10 episode season that has 25 to 30 high quality short films handpicked from the festival circuit. So your $8 is supporting 25 creatives, 25 plus creatives who made a film most of the time out of their back pocket and asking friends to chip, maybe chip in a little change just to help them. So, you know, I understand we all just want to stream stuff for free, but do, do a solid and spend seven, $8, $8, per season to support. There's seven seasons of, of Discover Indie Film out there so far. Season eight uh, is on the way. That was Discover Indie Film. Matt, Matt said something kind about Film Invasion Los Angeles. We hold that festival every June. If you want to learn more, it's filminvasionla.com and it's at Film Invasion LA on social media. Sister Festival is the Sherman Oaks Film Festival. You can learn about that at shermanoaksff.com and it's at shermanoaksff on social media. And I think I mentioned the, the words TV High. If people go to watchtvhigh.com, uh, that's actually a streaming service that is on Roku, Apple TV, Android TV, Amazon Fire TV, iPhone and Android Mobile. Uh, got a kid who's about to turn 16 and she watches Netflix on her phone on the couch in front of the 65 inch TV. So please don't watch movies on your phone if you can help it. But if you're young and that makes sense to you, I guess it's better you watch indie films than not. Although boy, they really were meant to be on a big, bigger screen. So check out TV high. It's all indie stuff and it's, uh, it's cool. I won't uh, go into the fact why it's called TV high, but it's called watch TV high for a reason but it's TVHI on those app stores. All right, Matt, thank you so much. Thank you. A dream. And thank you everyone for listening. <laughs>